Hi, my name is Rashan Bachu. Welcome to the e-commerce unplugged podcast, the place to be if you want to learn how to launch and scale your product-based business in Africa. Each week I'll be taking you behind the scenes and sharing tips and strategies on how to launch, scale or grow your product-based business. I will also be inviting fellow founders who either own product or service-based businesses to take you behind the scenes on what it takes to grow a successful business. I really hope that you will enjoy this podcast series. Please like, subscribe or share. Today's episode we have Dr. Claire Kunithia, who is a consultant, obstetrician and gynecologist based in Nairobi, um, who works privately. Um, but the reason I've asked Dr. Claire to be on the podcast today, firstly, thank you so much. But it's also because she's built up an awesome personal brand alongside delivering babies. Actually, she delivered a baby this morning, <laughs> this morning and has yeah. come straight to film yeah. this. So yeah. Thank you so much. Um, but just the importance of building a personal brand alongside your business mm -hmm. and how she has done it working in a very um, basically demanding career. Yeah. Um, so it's really impressive how Dr. Claire has managed to do that. But um, yeah, do you want to introduce yourself better than I have? <laughs> um, so I am, like you said, my name is Dr. Claire Kinithia. I'm an obstetrician gynecologist. Yeah. Uh, kudos for saying that right. Because yeah, most I had people, to practice yeah. obstetrician. Yeah, obst <laughs> I've had every variation. Yeah. So most people just say obsgyny or just a gyny. Uh -huh. um, and as well, what else I do? I'm also a health educator. And that's okay. what my online presence is primarily, is okay. health education, as well as digital okay. creation. Yeah. 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 So maybe just a little bit... Um, about your experience, mm -hmm. how you found what you wanted to specialize in, and just a little bit about your career to date. As you can imagine, when you're training in medicine, it takes forever. So yeah. I started medical training in 2003. Okay. And medical school at the time was five years. And then we had one year of internship where we were posted. I was posted to what was then called Kirugoya District Hospital. Okay. And so I, how, did you, how did you know that you wanted to be yeah, a that, doctor? For me, it's internship because during oh. medical training, um, being in the labor ward, especially because we were in Kenyatta Hospital, the national yeah. hospital. So you trained as in you studied at Kenyatta? Uh, uh, so at Nairobi, University, uni University of Nairobi, but we trained at the Kenyatta National okay, Hospital. Got it. Um, the biggest challenge for me there was how, it was actually traumatic for me, child yeah. birth, um, the numbers you still want to believe babies come on a st with a stalk and from Dumbo yeah, and they're delivered yeah. you know peacefully and no yeah. that's not reality <laughs> how long did it take for you to then start to deliver the babies on your own oh, you like what does, oh you, yeah. you start you have the first two weeks oh. with someone showing you how to do a c-section yeah. how to have uh, normal safe deliveries yeah and then you're on your own so you'll call oh, wow. for help if need be. But then, yeah. like I said, the demand in a public hospital, it's too high for someone to constantly be holding your hand. So yeah. by the third week, you're flying solo, pretty much. They're supervising from yeah. behind the scenes. Yeah. But those first two, three weeks, they pretty much walk you through the surgeries, help you putting it into practice. Really, it, it's intensive the first two, three weeks. And then from there, because every rotation was three months or so. So in, in my... Obsgain rotation, I probably had, I believe I had 78 deliveries in oh, those wow. three months. Um, no, but just moving on, because I guess what I really wanted to ask is and delve into, I mean, as you've painted the picture so well, is it's a very 
highly intense, highly pressured environment. So I would assume sometimes in that situation, they're thinking to build your personal brand, growing your Instagram and basically learning a different skill is not something that maybe a lot of people would think of, um, especially because you're learning all the time. So yeah, this yeah. doesn't, it's not something that might appeal to a lot of people. So what was the journey to starting your personal brand Instagram page and why, why do you feel it was important? Looking back, let's yeah. go all the way back to like primary school and high school. I was very big on writing. I was very a very high scoring student yeah. there. And then I was also very artistic, very artistic. Like Is I there draw... anything you can't do? I can't... Stop to Claire. <laughs> I was drawing and painting. Yeah. I played yeah. the piano. I was in ballet at some point. Like it was oh, a bit ridiculous. Jack of all trades. I know, right? I feel like I was destined to be a creative. Okay. But then there's also the intelligence side that sat and went, no, but medicine is art and science. So you yeah. can sort of marry the two. So, so I, are you always drawn towards medicine or was it just yes, to, okay, you know, fine. Yes. It's I not just, absolutely I think this. always drawn to medicine. But what I found is it's very technically scientific. And it's very little room for like creation or yeah. being creative in the space. Yeah. So I had to stifle the creative side yeah. in order to get through training and okay. in order to achieve everything I was achieving with yeah. medicine. And then it got to a point where I just felt, no, there's, there's a gap and there's something I'm just not plugging myself into. And after my residency training, so in 2015, when I was done with the residency, I'm now newly qualified as an obstetrician gynae, but then there's a little bit of a, sadness and emptiness in that I'm still not you know I don't feel like I'm feel, reaching my full potential which is ridiculous okay. I mean you've just succeeded in you know <laughs> that's a bit, uh, here you are a specialist but you didn't think that yeah you're, you're delivering babies yeah, saving lives you know, yeah I so like this I felt like no there's still a bit of a gap so what I started with was blogging okay. and another thing that was missing for me was we weren't really having like proper mentorship in terms of after training, how do you get into practice? How do you learn how to actually function? Yeah, how yeah. do I reintegrate into community and society yeah. like a normal human being? Yeah. So one of that, I mean, that gap for me, I thought, okay, because I can't find anything, especially not online, with, where doctors are taking time to inspire each other or motivate each other or like mentorship or even show you the day in the life of a doctor. So how did you balance time in that because I think this is incredible yeah. because it's not like it's it's wholly different from what you're trying yeah. to achieve on a day-to-day -day. yeah so it's almost you wanted to share your experiences yeah. in order to provide peer mentorship as well yeah and probably I guess a little bit of transparency yeah. into what, um, what your normal day, day to looks day. like yeah um, and I guess also to feel maybe a little bit more accessible. Yes. Because it's yes. days like us. Absolutely. Yeah. And then there's doctors. <laughs> yeah. So we're like normal human beings and then there's doctors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's another yeah. thing that I thought was a gap because everybody acts like you're supposed to not integrate into community. And again, it's such a dangerous narrative within the medical community itself because you're pushing yourself, even when it's not your normal, to to do so much because you think it's what you're supposed to do. And that's just how medical training is, unfortunately. Yeah. It's also very contradictory to what doctors what we are... tell you to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's <laughs> for another day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it wasn't really necessarily looking for extra time to do it. It was just something I was doing as part of my normal routine. Yeah. So if I've had a tough day at work and the challenge was maybe a delivery that we had, yeah. and 
challenging outcomes, then I would document that. Okay. If it was me going through like like what we were talking about earlier like my routine what's my day-to-day routine and just yeah. documenting that and putting it out there if i'm taking the weekend off and going somewhere pretty yeah. i document that and so it starts to show it's just more like demystifying us as medical personnel and so that it wasn't really like i'm having to look for extra time to do yeah, the blogging yeah. it was just during my downtime once i've been documented and i sort of tried to make it organic as well like wherever i am sitting in a coffee shop, just take a picture of my coffee and store that and keep it. And then the next feature, you sort of like do a little review of that new coffee shop. And that was the post. So how frequently did you blog? Um, when I started, I think it was once a week. Okay. Yeah. So and then when did it start to kind of take off, get in? When, as, as Instagram became big. So initially, no, I tell a lie. Initially, when I started in 2015, I was very just, it was just me and my yeah. computer. And yeah. blogging is very sort of impersonal because mm. you don't really see your audience. You don't engage in any yeah. real, real time, real life way. But then people would leave comments. People would send an email and yeah. then have a little bit of a community that way. Yeah. Um, How many people were like engaging, reading, whatever it was? Lot, to- apparently, which uh-huh. I didn't, again, like at the time, I didn't understand the yeah. the the what insights and the tools yeah. that you now have that you sort of understand how your Instagram yeah. is working or your social media is working and what kind of engagement you're having. Yeah. I didn't understand any of that. So were a lot of people <laughs> asking you questions through yeah, your blog? So or? I'd get comments, then I'd engage with the person commenting and then ask a question or something about whatever I've written about and then yeah. we'd have a conversation and then more people would plug into the conversation. And what were most of the questions about? Um... When, the best engagement or the highest engagement I tended to have was when I talked about medical issues and mm. the, the kind of um, sexual reproductive health issues I was tackling every day, um, the kind of patients I was dealing with and the conditions yeah. that they were suffering from. And for the first time, I feel like most people sort of had a place they could find out, okay, I've always had these symptoms. Yeah. Can we talk about, since you've mentioned yeah. it in this post, maybe how would I find out if this is what I'm suffering from? Yeah. Do I have fibroids? Do I have endometriosis? What's going on? And those are the conversations that I'd pick up okay. on and we'd have really extensive, like yeah. almost classroom-like session where I'm yeah. like breaking it down into simple English, take away all the jargon and help someone understand that, no, I can't actually make a diagnosis on your computer. Yeah. I would need you to come in come, or yeah. go and see your gynecologist yeah. and have that conversation. With so them. when did you start your Instagram page? The same time as the blog, but okay. as, as just secondary posting. It would just uh, alert you that a new blog post has come up. Oh, More actively was a few years later, maybe 2018, 17, 18, somewhere there is where oh, I became. Oh, that's not that long ago. Yeah, that's yeah, when yeah. I actually realized, oh, hang on, you could actually just yeah. engage with the audience on yeah. social media, forget so to do the blog. So do you blog at all still? Not anymore because yeah. nobody reads anymore. But, yeah. So <laughs> how did you challenge. transition from the blogging to the IG and then how did you grow that? Um, it became more because engagement started to drop and as you're engaging on social media, you start to see that people are engaging more with photography and video and also audio content. So that then it became necessary to make the switch. Yeah. And again, for me at the time, I also started to feel like, okay, it's time for a new skill, learn a new skill. And I started to make videos yeah. and take lots of photos and actually take, you know, proactively, again, doing everything by myself, which is something I wouldn't advise. That would be the conversation for the week, so ah. to speak. And then again, I kept 
I've kept evolving yeah. along the way. Yeah. So then it moved from just purely me posting a video to me hosting Instagram yeah. live sessions. Um, and I'd bring colleagues on and I'd bring people. Was from, this something that also took off for you during COVID? Um, it took off after COVID. So COVID for me was one of those... <sighs> yeah. Oh. If we're going to talk about low points career-wise, COVID was it for me. And oh, Why would you say that? Just... So, first of all, I found myself working in, at the time I was, I'd signed up and was working for a big hospital here. And then we became the COVID hospital in Kenya. Uh-huh. And so I was seeing death at a magnitude that I've never seen before. Uh, and death okay. from That's something hard. we can't treat we don't yeah. know you feel yeah. helpless for the first time in your career this is yeah. something i've been doing i practice happy medicine yeah i promise you that's my biggest so just so yeah so just when you're an obstetrician yeah. it's mostly about bringing life into the so world so was it all hands on deck in, yes, at that was. period yes. yeah so we, okay. were, we were being asked to work outside of our comfort zone outside yeah. of any human hours <laughs> nobody should have been working at that yeah. you know level but then there wasn't enough of us so of course we're coming up against a beast nobody really understands or knows how to cope with or what to do or how to correct for and there wasn't really any psychological support either because everybody was in it at the same time yeah. we're all struggling we're all trying to understand and we are losing patients at a level that wasn't making any sense so it was a very challenging time to be a doctor yeah. Because you, you're learning on the go, but unfortunately there's a lot of loss as we're trying to learn to figure out what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and this was global. It wasn't just unique to us. So again, where we would usually have international guidelines that we can all work none, with, yeah. there was none. So you're sort of learning from, you know, this is what is being done in Europe. This is what's working in America. Can we make it work here? Can we make it work here in a way that it's affordable? Because that's the other challenge with medicine here. So you would say for two years, you worked that shift lifestyle yeah in the hospital yeah. so did you do your day job mm-hmm. which is as an OBGYN over for two years were you all hands on deck no, no, we were all hands on deck yeah so it was that you were working you're still working in labor ward you're still working and what what had gone down was elective surgeries we were not doing surgeries that were unnecessary so if you could wait we put you on hold but then anything that was imagined anything where somebody needed critical care yeah so what would you say are the main or rather not not the main but like issues you're trying to solve for or mm. what awareness is it that you're trying to create through your your personal brand definitely demystifying the medical practitioner and helping people understand that we are human and yeah. i love that there's more of us now i feel like because some of us were brave enough to start there's more of us who are now engaging with the audience is yeah. online there's yeah. more doctors who are putting up more content and putting out themselves out more online yeah and it's less of it's becoming less of a taboo because i got i mean nobody understood it when we were doing it i genuinely don't see why this was a, <laughs> if we're going to break down the word taboo it is not a doctor coming and talking about medical well, issues policy, yeah mm, mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> given how far sort of back we still are with our strictness and how yeah. we're supposed to conduct ourselves and how we're supposed to behave ridiculous those rules I was breaking all of them by being online and sort of posting about myself and my life as well as educating people so I'd get in trouble with colleagues because they'd come and say listen you're giving too much information that's you should be charging for information like something yeah but it's information and if you have the information you know to come in then we can 
pick up the consultation and look yeah. after the condition. It's not the like the information is going to help them cure yeah, something exactly. that they have. You just yeah. become aware that, it's just that awareness. this is an issue you should follow up with your doctor. So just breaking that down for people to understand a bit better. So the first one was the gap of just feeling putting out more information yeah, and accurate information. Because the other thing is whether or not we want to accept it, whenever something's wrong with your body, the first thing you do is Google the symptoms. Oh, WebMD, hmm? I have died and come back to life <laughs> yep. 30 yep. times. And it will always kill you off. Yeah, yeah. So whatever the symptom is, first thing is death yeah. and then everything else. It's also falls. the one when you're lying in bed and your phone falls and you're God. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, so when you... Why, why does my head hurt? <laughs> regardless of what I say or do, yeah. you're going to look for information online. So I want to play my part in making sure that that information is accurate, yeah. that you're able to find information that doesn't scare you. That's, I think, the primary key goal for me. Yeah. And then um, demystifying who we are as medical practitioners. And then also sort of like, because I have a huge following, part of my following that is medical doctors in training, I want to show them what life truly looks yeah. like, the challenges you will find or come across when you're practicing in this country. And then um, the fact that there is hope and that you don't just have to focus on medicine. Yeah. I do, by extension, find myself in the mentorship yeah. space because, again, we're doing something that not many people have done. Yeah. Definitely not before us. Because yeah. I don't I can't say that I can sit here and say my seniors, I have a mentor who's a senior who's doing sort of the same yeah. thing. We've sort of had to carve out this niche for ourselves. But to just take away the stigma of putting yourself out there and don't be afraid. Share, you know, be real, be honest, um, share the fact that we are human and that there are things that we're still learning, there are mistakes that are going to be made and just make it a bit more normal that this is something that you can come and find information easily available, especially so for our younger generations because they are very internet heavy. What's the age demographic of your um, followers? My biggest following is between 25 and 37. That's really interesting. But I definitely think that being able to tap into that younger, especially because of what you do, uh, teaching about sexual health, um, which a lot of people still, unfortunately, yeah. don't know. But yeah, being yeah. able to, that's amazing. Yeah. So what would you say are your career highs to date? Um, <laughs> career highs. The fact that I've been told on repeat that my videos get used as tools in homes to help have difficult conversations. That's amazing. That parents yeah, yeah. are able to like, because yeah. it's not something we're taught. That's no, the thing you have no, to no. remember, especially so when it comes to sexual health. Yeah. Our generation who are now the parents yeah. didn't get, like you said, we had a conversation about the birds and the bees that didn't make any sense yeah, yeah. when we were teenagers. And then we were yeah. told, don't talk to boys. <laughs> and then move on with your life. And then at 25, why aren't you married? <laughs> why aren't you married? Yeah, yeah. Like, look, did you not tell me not to talk to you? I'm yeah, confused. Yeah. What, are you, yeah. what do you want I like now? this the same because it's the same in Indian cultures. It's yeah. the same in African culture. Yeah. I don't get it. It's like, don't talk to boys. Boys are evil. Yeah. When you go to university, study, study and then you graduate and it's yeah. like, you're not, you're not getting married right. now. Why are you not getting married? Like, I'm really then, confused. Like, this is contradictory. How, you know, now you get a boyfriend. Yeah. yeah. How can yeah. you be confused that I'm not married? You told me not to. I'm, listen, <laughs> I'm literally obeying what you said, right? You raised me to be a good child. That's really so, so it's getting the people are sharing yeah. these. That's, people that's are, really people good. People are having conversations yeah. where 
I, I really enjoy. So I found myself invited to spaces as a speaker, as part of a panels, and we have lots of younger people in the audience. And their courage and bravery when it comes to these topics now, they are no longer shy or scared or afraid to talk about them. That's the way they'll, it should be. Though. Yeah, they'll sit and yeah. tell you, these are the issues that we're facing. How yeah. do we fix for them? What okay. are you guys doing to help us stay healthy, help us protect ourselves, for yeah. example? Taking away the stigma, making these topics less taboo, it just keeps people safer. It yeah. keeps people healthy. And like the debate and the conversations we had recently with um, Super Gonoria <laughs> was one of yeah. the most eye-opening because people had a reaction like, I don't know, Gonoria suddenly had a new suit and looked like Superman and now we're making a big deal of it. But then wow. having people come to me like that that was yeah. that was the thing for me as yeah again with an audience it's difficult to know how engaged they are yeah. until they start to have conversations yeah. with you but my inbox was flooded oh wow. claire why aren't you talking i would like to know more about super gonorrhea Could so you? what is super so, gon- gonorrhea it's gonorrhea that's resistant to everything that we treat it for so gonorrhea is one of those bacteria that's and this is where I turn into a geek. It's a beautiful work of art in the science because it has learned how to mutate against every single drug that's Sounds ever like been used. <laughs> anyway, sorry. And that's the thing. COVID being a virus, it's expected. Mutation is expected. But gonorrhea is bacteria. So the fact that it's adapted itself to behave like a virus in order to survive is what makes it a beautiful organism not disease not disease so where we've gotten to we've pretty much come down to the point where there's only one or two drugs left in the world that are treating gonorrhea and if you get some strains those drugs don't work either so we're having to use combination therapy we're having to treat you for longer periods of time some people it's just a life sentence you have gonorrhea and you could infect people throughout your life interesting yeah so educating people about that and how to protect yourselves from sdis and um just understanding that the landscape has also changed people are practicing their sexual practices are very different from what it used to be before and you know conversations like that is what keeps me going keeps me motivated because then i'm like okay so you guys are actually paying attention okay (laughs) i'm not just talking to myself on the screen you know and then i'd have lots of engagement asking or demanding more like people want me to be online more More. and i want more content and i'm like yeah but i have a day job get another doctor on board (laughs) who can help yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. because it is it is really interesting to have someone like like a doctor at your fingertips basically But one thing, and and I'm, it's you know, I like to ask anyone who comes on the podcast, what you do is not funny, but I'm sure you do get funny requests. Right? Are there any funny moments, funny requests that you would like to share? <laughs> the, I'm sure you have your pick of the lot, but yeah, anything that can make it to air, appropriate to yeah. talk about on here. <laughs> oh <that>. dear! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tends to be, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. It's not really funny as it is sometimes a little bit out of the box. No judgment. Okay. Sort of yeah, out yeah. of the box. Um, my most interesting situations. <laughs> yes. So difficult. Right. Is where, so we encourage you to be, practice safe sex, for example. Yeah. And uh, contact tracing when there's an STI and all of that is very important. What I've seen now is more and more people will come in and get tested with every single one of their partners. 
whether these partners know of each other or not. <laughs> so it's like a revolving door. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'm yeah. not going, I'm not going to judge you. Yeah. It's great that you're getting yeah. tested. Yeah. But, um, not sure this is what we were what envisioning for, yeah, when yeah. we were asking you to come in. But as long as you're getting tested and you're keeping yourself and everyone yeah. else safe, the rest is, it has nothing to do with me. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to push not my the frivolity. No, yeah, no, no, we're not going to do that. Ah. But then that's one of the interesting <laughs> dynamics I found things. myself in yeah. Yeah, where somebody will come in and they have a primary partner and then multiple other partners and they can, every time they have a new partner they come to the same gynecologist <laughs> to get everybody tested and I go okay you have to you really have to be like okay no I'm not gonna you're doing the right thing though so I'm not gonna push this against you but uh, yeah so what would be your advice to people out there who are in careers the way that you are, but also want to start a personal brand? Mm -hmm. um, first of all, start. Start somewhere and learn. Be open to learning along the way. Because one of the challenges with professionals, especially, is because you spend so much time in training for your primary profession, you sort of feel and believe that this new thing you're trying is going to be automatic and I should just succeed. It doesn't mm. work like that. There's a lot of new skills that you're yeah. going to have to pick up. Yeah. Take the time to invest or at least find somebody who can help you, somebody who that is their primary yeah. skill set and work with them. Um, so aside from the knowledge mm. which you hold, what would you say is the single most thing that has helped you grow your personal brand that could apply to anyone, basically? Right. Um Acquiring skills in the space that I'm in now. Yeah. I had to learn about the various platforms and how they work and yeah. what works best in terms of the content that you're putting out, what's going to get better engagement compared to the rest. Yeah. And learning that it's literally, you know, it's like a skill. It's a skill. It's basically a skill. It's, it's a skill. It's a business in yeah, itself yeah. for a lot of people. So it's not something that you're just going to post and then hope for yeah. the best. You actually have to proactively learn how to engage, how to use the platform properly, learn, you know, the trends and whatever's hip at the time and learn how you can make that work for you. Yeah. And I mean, keep doing it because it's not also something that you're going to do for a short period of time. And then, you know, it just grows. You actually have to keep feeding into it. And just don't be shy. Don't be afraid. We tend to be very behind the scenes people yeah. because we are always, you know, hands on on the ground, but there's no clout around what you do. So in this case, you might get a lot of attention and sometimes it can be negative as well. So you need a bit of a thick skin because there are trolls. That is a reality of yeah. being online. And you just, again, something else that you'll need to learn how to navigate. Um, and then the other thing is because... I was starting something that's completely different. I couldn't take advice from people who weren't doing it. So don't okay. do that. Don't listen to someone who has no understanding. Yeah. For them, it's they're coming from a, a fear place. Yeah. Most people would tell me, no, 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 you need to not post. You need to take come bring your page down. You know, you're you're a bit too vocal, you're a bit too out there. Because for them, they couldn't imagine themselves doing what I do. And I'm like, that's fine. And I get it. But where I'm at now, I I'm working with what I understand this area to be or this uh, new, you know, opening in terms of how to use social media as a tool in a business. And you need to understand that that's 
I'm going to learn and I'm going to have moments where, of course, you, you have challenges along the way, but I'm not going to run away from it. So maybe don't listen to the naysayers, especially so if they don't have any experience in what you're trying to do. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So before wrapping up, what would you say is next for Dr. Claire Kinuthia's personal brand? Ooh, ooh what's next? Um, still in terms of, I feel like we still have, we still haven't reached, I haven't reached anywhere near where I'd want to be in terms of how much content I'm putting out there. So I do want to challenge myself more, maybe use different formats as well, different platforms, um, keep learning, keep growing, keep challenging myself um, and using, maximally using the time I have that I can outside of, you know, everyday practice to grow especially so across i want to try out more more platforms i'm mostly on instagram a little bit on tiktok and facebook right now and twitter that's where i'm trying to grow into that's amazing yeah. no well done you really just having doing what you do and building a personal brand is really remarkable thank you so thank you so much for coming on the podcast um and yeah i hope you enjoyed it yes i did very much thank you for amazing thank you <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the e-commerce unplugged podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Google, Apple, and anchor again, please like subscribe, share or save, and please hit me up if you have any questions.